0: Attention road warriors, the Datanauts rocket is leaving for the orbiting data center tomorrow. Are you packed? Checked in? Got your passport? Charged up your devices? You sure about all that? Well today, we're here to help you make sure as we interview three battle-hardened travel veterans working in tech to share their best tips and tricks with you. I am Ethan Banks, along with Chris Wall, your co-host for today, and you can follow the podcast at datanots underscore show on Twitter, and subscribe, please, in your very best podcatcher. Our show today was recorded over three different sessions as we interviewed three different road warriors. Enjoy our conversations with Ron Fuller, Tony Bricky, and Greg Shipley. I believe each of them are million-milers, and they each have lots of travel wisdom to share. <laughs>
1: Welcome, everybody. My first guest is Ron Fuller. Say hello to the audience, tell us what you do, and then let's get nerdy on being a road warrior.
2: Awesome. Yes, Uh, hello, I'm Ron Fuller. I am a NSX specialist with uh, VMware, and I spend an awful lot of time in airplanes and cars and hotels and all other kinds of fun places working with our customers on how they can best utilize NSX in their data center environment.
1: Right on. And we've had some shows on that topic. So if you're curious about NSX, definitely go back to the library and we'll include in the show notes. But let's talk about the world of being a technical road warrior. And and really what we're trying to get into here is you obviously have a day job. You have things you have to accomplish, but they're distributed all over the place. You have to get from A to B and you can't just say, well, I'm traveling today. No work is going to get done. So let's kind of start the conversation around logistics. I guess, how do you even know where you have to go? And then how do you plan out that route from A to B, you know, especially with with a mind for being efficient, getting your work done, but also trying to be comfortable. You know, you don't want to be crammed in the back of a tin
2: can. Yeah, well, (laughs) sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. Right. So definitely, certainly in in this role, uh, flexibility is key because there are quite a few times where it's relatively, um, you know, not last minute, but. Maybe a a week or two. Notice that hey, we really need you to be in you know Albany, New York, or someplace else for a customer meeting. And you know, can you get there? And um, you know, so you have to be flexible. But then also being able to uh, to kind of have a mental map of of where you're trying to get to and what your options are to to get there. So um, I do a lot of work with customers. I live in Ohio, and we do work with customers in Kentucky and Michigan and Indiana, and obviously the neighboring states. Um, those are are a pretty easy choice for me as to you know. Hey, do I drive or fly? That's usually the first kind of decision making criteria. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's pros and cons to both, but you know, driving gives you a bit of more control over your own destiny with regards to weather and mechanical delays and and other things that just happen during air travel.
1: But well, let's back up for a moment there. So I guess uh, so far, the one thing I wanted to kind of like put the magnifying glass on is the flexibility that you're talking about. So it sounds like in this kind of role maybe not universally but it's kind of like when do you know what next week looks like by friday or earlier you know because <laughs> i don't think i'm trying to think of if you're just going into the office nine to five every day week to week the idea of not knowing what next week looks like is going to be
2: very alien uh, man it's it's a it's challenging right uh, especially being you know kind of I don't say I'm OCD because I, if I was, this job certainly broke me of that. But the the idea of being able to know where I'm going to be any given day of the week is challenging at best, right? And, and the, usually, I have maybe two weeks kind of planned out of, of what things are going to be, but then there are always you know situations that arise where hey, we really need somebody to to be and fill in the blank, you know, tomorrow. Can you can you rearrange your schedule to do that? And and the, you know if if I'm available to, I, I rarely say no. And yeah, you you make the appropriate adjustments and do what you can to to cover. We do a lot of face to face meetings. Given the the role that I've got, I'm typically not the hey let's do an NSX one hundred one kind of guy. I'm usually yeah. you know to help further the design or, or or drive the the customer opportunity a bit a bit more uh, hands onish. So. With that, that also gives me an opportunity to, in some cases, be more strategic and be able to say, you know, well, no, I'm sorry, I can't be in your customer because it's it doesn't meet our criteria for where I should be engaged. But in general, like I said, I, I don't like to say no. I, I, I don't necessarily know that I'm a people pleaser person. If you've ever worked with me day in and day out, I'm sure most people would say that I'm not. You know, at the end of the day, it's a customer facing role and, and and the more time I spend with my customers, the the better. on doing my job first off, and, and I'm also helping. the. I try to do what I can whenever I can, if that makes sense.
1: It does make sense. And, and I'm, I also wanted to point out, I, I thought you had an interesting point on the, it kind of depends on what you're doing too. It's not just that you're a technical person who travels. It's also, you know, you're saying intros and one-on-ones, not really your bag, but perhaps deeper dive, more architectural discussion would drive different behavior versus someone that might be on the road to actually install, configure, implement, deploy, you know, and that would also drive, I guess we'll talk about that in a bit, but I think those are good points that I want to come back to. But I'm also curious around, okay, so if you're planning things like a couple weeks at a time or maybe a little bit further, do you, do you use anything to organize that? Like, for example, I use TripIt. I live by TripIt. I funnel everything into it, and that's my brain, essentially, so that I don't have to remember all the chaos that's coming up over the next every single week You know, in the future. Did you do anything like that? Or is it just old school calendar and a piece of paper, you know, smoke signals? What's your, what's your style?
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, it's definitely not a piece of paper, but um, it's, it's old school calendaring. So I live and die by my, my smartphone. Um, I use a Samsung, so I don't have any issues with integrating in with our home Gmail calendar, which is, is definitely an important consideration, right? So being able to have a single, single place to go for my calendar is, is important for me and being able to have my work calendar, my home calendar, and then you know, kind of a personal calendar for things I need to do on my own, is uh, is 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 important, and it's important for that that home life balance as well, so that my wife knows where am I this week, or you know, tomorrow, or whatever. So, um, you yeah, that's 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 an important kind of part of the whole communication process with the with the extended family, or not the extended family, but the the family itself is making sure that they know that hey, you know, if you're going to do something, I'm going to be in Texas that that day right so so that's for me not having multiple places to check stuff is has been a simplification for me being able to to have a single calendar view on my phone as that single source of truth and then you know my work calendar obviously is is based off of outlook so it's it's up, updated with all of the appropriate things and then i go through and make manual entries for you know hey, Ron in Texas, these dates, or California, wherever I am. So it makes it simple for me to be able to keep that alignment and not have to bounce in and out of various apps and, and things. Because we use um, Concur through work, I get emailed calendar invites for my uh, travel details. So, you know, hey, I, you're on this flight at this time and from this airport to that airport, you're staying at this hotel at this address, your rental car is, you know, here and here's a reservation number. So, it, it's still all there in that single kind of unified look and feel of a, of my calendar.
0: So, so you know. when you When you get all of that uh, logistical information, you've got it all in the system, you've got to concur in your calendar and so on that you look at, do you look at that and go, Oh Well, OK, you're going to have customer engagements where you're needing to do presentations or talk to folks or whatever it is that's going to eat a certain amount of time. But you still got other work you need to do while you're on the road. So do you look at your calendar and go, oh, OK, while I'm here, I'm going to go to the airport lounge or to the uh, work from my hotel room to get all of the other things that you are still expected to get done, uh, even though you're on the road?
2: Oh, absolutely. Right. So for 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 me. I'm sure somebody's going to look at this and be like, holy cow, this guy is an absolute idiot with how he does things. But <laughs> um, when I'm going to be out of town, I will block off those days, but I won't block them off as being out of town, right? I won't show them as being busy. There's just a, a one-week reminder you know, whatever across the top of the, of the calendar. And I see those gaps in my time, and I know that, hey, I'm going to have an hour and a half of transit Chicago O'Hare. And in that hour and a half, I'm probably going to be able to have at least 40 minutes of, of quality time to quality time using air quotes you know in an airport so yeah we'll laugh along with that if you if you get it but but being able to, to say you know what, i'm going to take that time i'm going to go to the airport lounge and i'm going to have relative quiet to be able to, to open up the laptop and absolutely absolutely just sit there and kind of focus and pound through the email and and you know Slack messages and everything else that, that that comes in um but you know one of the things I, I'll I'll, and I'll have that time kind of set aside, and, and that's also an opportunity to make phone calls, right? The the, the airport lounges I go to almost all have um, some sort of quiet phone room you can hop into to take calls. I don't want to be that guy wandering around, you know, Mr. Big Biz, close the deal, sell, sell, sell. Only
1: <laughs> $30 <million. laughs> Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I'm not talking to you unless you're talking $300 million. This is ridiculous, you know. They, I see those guys all the time, and it just makes me – Roll my eyes like, oh my gosh! If your management food chain knew that this is how you acted in the public, they would probably be appalled. But find those those quiet rooms and, and make the uh, phone calls I need to. I spend a awful lot of time kind of triaging my my email when we land, right? So any airport you land to, you've got a, a taxi to the terminal of some amount of time, and so it's literally as soon as it's wheels down, I'm out of airplane mode. I'm letting the emails, you know, roll in the instant messages and everything else. And then it's a quick triage of, okay, so who needs to be responded to right away? Who is, this is a you know, general HR type email that, you know, is, is read later, check out the instant messages. My, my wife and I, my, well, now my older kids are getting older. They've got electronics and toys and, and stuff. We use WhatsApp all the time. And I use, started using WhatsApp because when I was traveling internationally, that was better than uh you know SMS texting, and and now it's a I'm a WhatsAppaholic, but we use it uh, for all kinds of communication. So you're able to just kind of go through and triage. You know, hey, here, here's where I am. I let my wife know first off. Hey, I just landed, and my wife knows all the airport codes for <laughs> every United hub that uh, that, that, that exists, um, in a lot of the uh, the non-hub cities as well. So, um, she's getting pretty good. So I can just say, you know, wheels down IAD, and she knows I'm in Washington DC. So,
0: so how do you balance phone, tablet, and laptop? Do you um, I travel sometimes with all three of those things and because each of them seem to have a unique use case depending on where I'm at, what my connectivity options are, and what I'm trying to get done. That's
2: a great point, right? So one of the things that I ditched was the tablet. So I, I truly, I'm a laptop and phone only guy. The tablet, what I found I was doing mostly with it was uh, watching movies and stuff. And and while I liked having it on the bigger screen, and it was a good place to to be able to you know, read a Kindle or something else, it was just extra weight and an extra device to worry about charging, and an extra device to just to worry about taking out of the TSA checkpoint, and on and on. Right. So so it, it, in some of the uh, you know ebb and flow of uh, travel trends of hey this is the tool I'm going to use and I'm going I can't wait to you know try this out. It was one of those things where I'm like ah, yeah this is nice to have it not a must have, and I want to just carry around the must haves because you start lugging it through the airport and and, and around a city and it can be challenging. So you want to you want to kind of pack light travel
0: light as best you can as, as you cool. go. So, Speaking of that traveling light, did you ever experiment with no laptop but just tablet tablet as laptop replacement?
2: No no I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not that bold in, in all fairness, I'm not that connected right as, as far as uh, um, I'm not a Mac guy. So you know, I don't know. Maybe now I'm not going to be ever invited to do another podcast because I don't, I don't uh, have any uh, any Mac stuff in my my (laughs) repertoire. But what are you talking uh, about?
1: I I don't use any Mac. We are brothers. We are brothers in arms. I don't do any of that. Perfect. Any of that, yeah.
2: But so, so you know, in, in all fairness, the the Samsung tablet I have isn't that useful for for any kind of productivity apps. So best case scenario really was, hey, I'm going to load some movies. I'm going to uh, to read some books on the Kindle app and, and you know, maybe check home email or Clash of Clans or something else, right? But nothing mission critical. So it, it was one of those things where I'm like, I, I don't have a tablet of sufficient uh, power and function to be able to, to get uh, that laptop-free lifestyle. So, so I've always been a laptop and, and phone guy. Tablet was added in for a while, and, and now tablet's out.
1: Yeah, I remember um, several years ago, I was I had just gotten my first tablet, and I was so excited. And I was like, "I'm gonna ditch the laptop, go all tab." Like that was the future, right? You wouldn't need these big, bulky devices anymore. And so, of course, the first thing I do is I'm I'm going to Austria for a week. I'm just gonna bring nothing but a tablet. Man, that was uh, that was bold uh, and stupid. So <laughs> I'm with you there. I've since completely eliminated tablet, not so much because that was just more being adventurous, but also I agree with you. It's uh, when you're doing this sort of travel where you're just kind of always floating around, uh, things like weight, having to charge a device, just the hassle becomes exponentially more frustrating than if you're just doing it you know, once in a while and you just want to have that movie device. So I definitely as you're saying all that, Ron, I'm like there's a, there's a strong resonation to a similar experience where I, I made those same choices. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm thinking through that as well as as kind of towards the last part of this discussion around technology. So we understand, you know, the, the tablet may not have hit, you know, your, your list of things to continue using. But what about any concerns around staying charged, uh, dealing with redundancy and single points of failure? I obviously, there's, there's a little bit of me that stresses out only having the laptop with me. And a few people have said, you know, why well, bring two, or I have one in my bag and one in my actual Luggage and whatnot. Any any thoughts around that, and as well as you know, creature comforts. Anything that you bring because wow, these are amazing. From a headset or, or you know, neck pillow or something like that that you just love from a technology
2: perspective. Yeah, so so um, I'm definitely a single laptop kind of guy. The, the the one I've got is a big enough brick. I, I don't need to carry two. Okay. When when, I, when, I, when I'm traveling for for work, it's it's obviously it's my work laptop. Um, I, I I bought a Chromebook. July of last year, and I've been using it when I travel personally, right? You know, if we're, we're going to a different city to do you know, fill in the blank. Something's probably something stupid, some sort of you know, endurance event or something. And I, and I, and I don't want to take the work uh, laptop with me because first off it's, it's theirs, not mine really, but also it gives me that, that hard break. You know, I've got it on my phone. If I really need to, I'll, 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 check my email, but being able to have that separation of, of, you know, home and, and work, Um, when doing personal travel was kind of a, kind of a big deal for me. So, so there, there's that, uh, as far as headset goes, I, I love Bose noise cancellation earbuds for me. They are the the perfect kind of compromise for, Hey, I don't want to listen to the baby screaming behind me four rows back. And I don't want to talk to chatty Kathy who's sitting next to me and listen to her story about her cats and how they, you know, tear up her house or whatever. And and then from a size and, and weight standpoint, they're light. They are chargeable via USB, so they fit into my charging kind of scheme, if you will, very easily. And the battery life is great, and I can sleep with them in my ears. I've I've tried the the over the ear headsets, and, and they just too bulky. From a from a standpoint of I got to have a special case for them, and even if they flip flat, it's still just extra room in my bag that I don't want to have to take up. And uh, and then also I can't roll around um, and sleep in them, so. <laughs> It it, 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 they don't work. And as far as charging devices, um, I carry a uh, 25,000 well, it used to be weather hardened, um, although one of the, the tabs fell off, so now it's, it's probably going to get zapped by water someday and, and barbecue everything. But, um, a battery charger or a battery brick, right? And be able to, to charge two devices at the same time. I make sure my phone is charged. Um, I try to charge my phone off of my laptop if I'm using it, so that way I'll save the battery for that. Kind of like, oh no, I, I. I'm getting low on juice and I need to make sure I have some way to charge it. Um, But, you know, if I'm sitting in a customer meeting and my laptop's out, my phone's probably plugged into it and it's not a sign of disrespect or anything. It's pure efficiency. I'm charging my phone, dude. (laughs) If my (laughs) laptop's on, I'm charging the phone because I don't know when the next time I'm going to have an opportunity to. Right. So it's, it's, those are all lessons learned though, from, from having been in a situation where, oh no, it's 2%. I don't have a way to charge it. And, uh, I need it for, you know, directions. So exactly right. It's one of those things where you need to make sure you've, uh, you've got the juice and if, and if the, if the phone is your portal to the world, so to say, then, uh, you know, you better keep it running.
1: Fair enough. You know, that's the ABC, right? Always be charging. So, uh, that, exactly,
3: <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, Ron Fuller, thanks for joining us. And for those that want to yell at you or maybe get some more information on what you're talking about, maybe some recommendations as to specific models and whatnot from the conversation today, you know, how can folks find you on the interwebs?
2: So the easiest way is uh, Twitter at CCIE5851. And then I also have a blog, although it's not very technical recently. So that's that's uh that's on me, but it's CCIE5851 at uh, blogspot.com. So those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me and uh Always uh, happy to hear from people and and interact and share information. And hopefully uh, this will be helpful for somebody somewhere. (laughs) If not, feel sorry for me. and, And that's fine too.
0: I completely agree with Ron that the tablet is the least useful device to carry when traveling. It's good on the plane when a laptop won't really fit on the tray in front of you and so on, but a tablet just isn't as productive if you're used to certain key combinations and certain gestures you might do. I end up killing a lot of time missing key presses and stabbing at the screen because I don't have a trackpad with me. And uh, yeah, it's also true there's more weight added to the bag. It's a thing to worry about charging. And if you're thinking, oh, I'll just, you know, a tablet's a laptop replacement, surely I can do that. Nah, it really isn't. I mean, even when you you pair up the tablet with a decent keyboard, it just isn't the same as the full OS experience, if that's what you're used to dealing with every day. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts? I mean, first and foremost, man,
1: where did the tablet? You know, I feel like it's really done something evil to you. But no, I, I kid. I actually, the, 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 concept of having different calendars and using calendars to control your destiny or you know travel schedule, maybe less, you know, drama around that word. Uh, it makes sense. You know, I tend to folks. I tend to tell folks that I live completely off my calendar, uh, because when you have this amount of, we'll just say chaos in your life when it comes to where you're at and what you're doing. Uh, you're not going to keep that in your head. You're going to miss things. So I personally run three myself, one for work, one for just personal, and then one for kind of wall network stuff, if you will, like like this show, The Data Datanauts. Uh, so it's nice to have them all unified on the smartphone, but from kind of a role perspective or a task-type perspective, they're all separate. And yes to WhatsApp. I have pretty much fully transitioned to that because I do do domestic and international travel, and I found it's just... One of those things that makes it so much easier to stay in touch, especially for personal relationships, it's just family and friends, uh, when you're not in the U.S. Welcome back, listeners. We're going to keep going into the magical and mystical world of being a technical road warrior. And I'd like to introduce for this part of the discussion, Tony Burke. Welcome. Who are you? What do you do? And then let's get dirty on travel.
3: Cool. Uh, My name is Tony Burke. I make my living teaching, uh, primarily. Uh, So I uh, primarily I teach uh, networking topics. Sometimes I teach Linux. uh, Primarily in the Cisco world, but sometimes other worlds too. And I'm also a certified
1: skydiving instructor. Yes, I wouldn't even know that you do the networking stuff. Following you on social media, it's mostly. Well, I guess I sort of would, but it's mostly you jumping out of things at dramatic heights. Where I'm
3: like, "Mm, I'm glad you're doing that because no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, the the technical stuff, like no, yeah, I don't give any likes off that stuff. It's the it's the skydiving stuff that gets this the those sweet likes.
0: <laughs> All right. But to be fair, I mean networking and instruct networking is more or less jumping out of things from a high distance and hoping you don't hit the ground before yeah, the yeah. You deploys. So, you
1: know, <laughs> well, before we got to uh, recording this show, we were talking a little bit about your travels, and you mentioned that. Uh, well, and I also know that you're quite the points and status master. So I thought maybe we could talk about the travel that's coming up for you. And then start talking to the audience about how they can select, you know, the the right loyalty program. And I'm sure everyone's just curious about how to get upgrades. And there's a lot to unpack there. But let's start with the travel you're going through. And then maybe we can talk about how you put all that together in order to be as comfortable and I guess, awesome as possible so that when you get done, you can
3: do more personal travel. Right. I, well, let's, let's start the other way. Let's, let's start, uh, how to be as comfortable as possible when you travel. All right. Um, so the, to do that, there's loyalty programs. So, um, and, and I'll break it down into airlines, hotels, and then rental cars. And I think probably the most important thing to do is to, to, to pick an airline. And it it really doesn't matter which it's whatever fits your travel. So like if you live in Atlanta, it's going to be Delta. So Delta has got their big hub at Atlanta airport. If you live in near Newark, it's going to be United. If you live in Chicago, it's going to be United. If you live in Dallas, it'll be American. So if you live in a hub for one of these airlines, so there's basically three big airlines in the United States. It's uh, American Delta and United. Uh, There are also players like Alaska. And so if you live on the West coast at Alaska, uh, but basically if you pick an airline, pick one of those big airlines, um, you're going to have a lot of options and it, it kind of depends on where you live. I live in Portland, Oregon. So it kind of doesn't matter which airline I picked. I just happen to be an added guy.
0: So, so Tony, you're limiting you, by the, the airlines. You're talking about international airlines. Cause I mean, Southwest is big if you live in the U S but they right. pretty much don't fly internationally.
3: Right. So if you do a lot of international travel, you're going to want to stay away from Southwest. Not because Southwest is a bad airline. Actually, I prefer if you don't travel a lot, if you're only traveling occasionally, Southwest is a really good option. And you're traveling mostly in the United States. Same thing for Alaska. I I find Alaska and Southwest treat you better as a a casual traveler than United, Delta and American do. Because they'll throw you in the bottom of the pit.
1: Yeah, so so basically, what you're saying is, if you're in one of these major hub airports, though, it's more about selecting that airline because they're going to offer you the best options for a a, a one way non connecting flight to wherever you're trying to go. Right. Okay, got it. Okay. Right. So so you obviously have opinions on that, but uh, aside from that, do you have a do you have a preference? Do you, do you prefer one over the other? In case someone's in a, an airport that has all the different flavors of Baskin Robbins, if, if you
4: will.
3: I don't know. I, I I think they all do a a, a decent job of of treating their uh, their frequent flyers pretty well. They go through phases, like sometimes they're having some operational difficulties You lose your bags a lot or whatever. But I think generally speaking, Delta United and American are kind of the go-to if you do a lot of travel, especially international travel. And I highly recommend sticking to an airline and not bouncing around, especially if you travel a lot. If you travel a little bit, it kind of doesn't matter. You're not going to reach the status levels where they'll treat you any better. Well, let's talk Uh, about that then. So you're
1: saying to pick an airline, but I'm assuming that also includes registering for their frequent flyer program. And then the statuses are kind of crazy. I definitely want to break that down a bit.
3: Yeah. So the status is uh, probably the most important thing in my travel life is my airline status. That makes my traveling much more comfortable. Uh, there's all sorts of little perks you get, and they don't seem like a big deal, and they're kind of little things, but they add up over time, especially when I'm on the road as as much as I am. And, and I think, like very frequent travelers like myself and Ron Fuller and and uh, Stephen Foskett, I think that we'll all agree that the airline status is is really important. And every airline has status tiers, and what gets you up into those higher tiers is your butt on a seat. So it's not the points you get when you, let's say you, you get an Amer- American Airlines credit card and you you expense a bunch of stuff on that. And then you earn 50,000 points on the American Airlines credit card. That'll get you a free flight or two, but it will not get you anything towards your status. It's your butt on a seat. And that's typically confusing because, you know, the, the
1: generic term for those points are just miles. And then you have right. the kind of the miles, which is like your Aladdin's castle tickets counter to go redeem for, you know, flights and things like that. And then you right. got the qualifying miles, which are yeah, the, like you're saying, you're literally booty is in the in the seat. You are going from A to B, and then how, how how many miles do you get? Kind of how does that process work, and how do you accumulate them?
3: Well, some of the airlines are doing what they call like basic economy. I think that's what United calls it, and I think American and Delta have, and a bunch of the other airlines have something similar. They don't earn you any point qualifying miles, so stay away from those tickets. They may be attractive by a price, but if you're a frequent traveler, um, it's not going to help you get status. Okay. So you
1: still get from A to B and it's cheaper, but the cost is it's not going to help your status at all. And I guess if you're expensing it, how much do you really care that it's $50 less? You know, it's not the yeah. end of the world. Okay.
3: is you accumulate butt on seat miles or butt on seat, uh, point qualifying miles or point qualifying segments. So like, let's say you're traveling from New York and Washington back and forth New York to DC back and forth all the time. You're not going to really rack up the miles, but you're going to rack up the segments. So there's a way to earn the status by segments too. But as you get up to the higher tiers, you start getting all these really nice perks. Like uh, you get to board the, airline, get to board the airplane uh, first. They have the boarding groups, uh, typically, most of the airlines do. And boarding first means you're going to have the overhead space, so you don't have to check a bag. It also means you get to get on the airplane, pick your overhead space, sit down and relax while everyone boards. Uh, it seems like a little thing, but it's a big thing. Uh, you get priority lines. So you get to to check in uh, if there's a uh, that there's that scene in the movie up in the air with George Clooney where he just walks right past that long line, goes to the priority line and just checks right in like that is oh, that is so critical if you're doing it a lot. Because if you're standing in li- traveling is standing in lines, so anything that you can do to reduce the amount of time you spend in lines, it's going to be a good thing. And, uh, and all of the airlines have these, these tiers and and the highest tier is, is the one that, uh, that a lot of us shoot for, which is on on United it's 1k. So that's the name of the status. So I have, I have 1k status and I will protect that 1k status very, very carefully. In fact, I quit a job once because they weren't (laughs) flying me enough. Like I literally, I was like, I can't do this. I lost my 1k status for a year and it was awful.
0: I've heard of people actually booking an extra flight just to retain their one K status. They didn't need to go anywhere for business, oh, yeah. but they did miles just to to keep the status. Have you done that? Oh yeah. Oh, I, a couple times. A couple times I've had to do that.
3: Um, I I once went on vacation and I'm like, okay, where can I go that's going to get me ten thousand miles? Okay, I'm going to go to Bali. All right, Bali. That's it. And and I went to Bali. Now I kind of going into you mentioned the 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 partner programs, the alliances. And there's three, and so United is part of the Star Alliance, which is things like Thai Airways and Lufthansa. Uh, Delta is part of the, uh, what are they, the Sky, Sky Team? team? Yeah. yeah, so that's Air France, I think, uh, and some other ones. So if you book the ticket right, the even though I was flying on like um, Thai Airways, to get to, I think it was actually going to, to Thailand. Um, the points that I spent on the Thai Airways ticket go. I can I can set it to so it's deposit into my United account, and the count as point qualifying miles. So even though I, I flew a different airline to to Thailand, I got the points. I, I got the qualifying miles on my United account, and I was able to hit 1K that year. Well, let's let's rein back a bit. Let's keep it. Let's keep
1: it kind of local for a moment, and go over okay. a couple of things you talked about. So first, you talked about picking the airline setting yourself up with the frequent flyer you know, na- uh, program of their choice. They're all named different things. Yep. And then making sure that when you book a ticket, it's expensive enough that you get the qualifying miles and qual- or qualifying points and qualifying segments so you're not in the you know, bargain
3: basement level of a uh, ticket. Yeah, it's just, it's just those bargain basement tickets. Those. I mean, they don't even let you take a bag. They don't even let you have a, a, a second carry-on. You just, you just get one carry-on. <laughs> You have to share a yeah. seat with someone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those I mean, those those tickets uh, don't don't buy those. So you don't have to buy like an expensive ticket to get the point qualifying miles. You just have to avoid the super super cheapo ticket. Got it. And so then you're traveling
1: around, and eventually you reach the status tier. You know the the first tier on the rung, and you can keep climbing up. Um, mm-hmm. Really, what's the what's the advantage then to go up beyond the first tier? Are there more advantages you go further? And uh, what, yeah. what point are you kind of like, I'm good to go? Because you mentioned 1K. I assume that's the highest United kind of, why are you so fastidious about reaching that that you're literally willing to tell a, an employer to go away?
3: Yeah, yeah. So the, 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 the perks are is I get a special phone number I can call when I need to rebook. So this is an operational benefit as well. So let's say like flight gets canceled or there's weather. I get priority booking on, um, on next flights and I get, I get higher up on the upgrade list. Uh, so let's say I need to, I, I, I was going to, I think I was going to Korea for work and um, flight got canceled and I don't know why. And they, the United booked me on another airline. They booked me on, um, I think a Delta flight to get me out there because um, it, I had that status level. So they're like, oh, you're 1k. Well, we'll just, we'll, we'll book in another airline. Mm. so they're yeah, gonna go they're it. gonna do whatever it takes
1: to get you there because they realize you're a very loyal customer and you're doing this for right. work it's not an option to not make this meeting or whatever it is
3: yeah yeah so yeah those kind of things are you get all you these benefits and then um I get a, it's a better chance of getting upgraded on domestic and international flights uh, there's a little bit of a difference in how you set that up but um, well let's yeah, talk about that bit because I, I know when I very first started flying I was
1: traveling with some some coworkers, and they had—they were just like you, Tony. They had it all figured out. I was the complete clueless moron. I had no idea what I was doing, and they all got the fancy first class seats. I got steerage in the back, and I was like, <laughs> "How do you do the upgrade?" So it's a mis- it's a mysterious process, to be honest. If you've not ever gone through an upgrade, uh, kind of, can you explain how that works, and and kind of some of the best ways to do that process?
3: Sure. Uh, back in the, you know, 20 years ago, it used to be like, if you just like t- sweet talked the, the the gate agent, they, they would put you on the upgrade list or, or whatever. Now it's all done in the computer. There's some algorithm and, and honestly, I don't know what the algorithm, the exact algorithm is, but I can tell you some things that'll help. I believe it helps if you buy the ticket with the airline card. So I have a United Airlines credit card and i think it helps i'm not positive on this but i think it helps and i think the other airlines do too they'll just kick you up a little bit on the upgrade list for that not a whole lot but a little bit I, again this is speculation all right um uh, the uh the other thing is um your status and your st- it it all gets fed into a computer and there's like a little tron battle between all the different uh frequent flyers to see who gets those upgrade list those upgrades i fight for Most? the user or the upgrade yeah. whichever yeah <laughs> okay. yeah <laughs> Fight for the upgrade, and then um, so when you uh, and the most of the airlines, not all, but most of the airlines, they will try to sell the first class tickets at the first class ticket prices, and the empty seats will get thrown to the upgrade list. So it's uh, it, you'll most of the airlines now they'll have a little upgrade list thing on your phone app, and you'll see your status on that upgrade list. And let's say sometimes like first class is full, and you're just out of luck. You're, you're in you're in coach. But even in coach, a lot of the airlines have different seats like I for, for example I try to get the exit row cuz you get a lot more leg room there or the the front of the airplane even in coach will have a little bit more leg room than the back of the airplane. And as you get higher status levels, you'll get like right now with 1K I can pick um my seats in economy plus which which is what United calls their extra extra room. So I can pick those and I don't have to pay for it. Mm. Um, if you're on a long flight it's actually probably a good idea to pay for it. It's you know, it's a uh, it, it's nicer to have a little bit of extra leg room going from San Francisco to New, to Newark and for a short flight it really doesn't matter got it so so it sounds like um I have bought my ticket I have
1: some level of status I've and then mm-hmm. it depending on what your status is you might have to redeem some sort of voucher or coupon or something that's electronic to get on the upgrade list but it assets you're you're on the list and basically first come first serve you see you know I'm number fifty-three on the list. Probably not going to get upgraded because there's yeah, not probably even. Probably not going to get.
3: Yeah, the, the, I mean the the upgrade list is pretty long, and and there's usually like five seats or four seats or something. Um, <clears throat> so w- with the highest status on United, you, you get a, a better chance. I get upgraded in United about half the time domestically. Um, and there's no, there, no. I don't need a coupon to do it at one K status, and I don't think you need it at the other level. Some of the other levels either you you don't need a
1: coupon. Got it. So uh-huh. as you reach kind of the pinnacle, it's just kind of an assumed, hey, you're gonna be on the list to get upgrade. And then if you get it, they just notify you and say, hey, you've got a new seat. Or how does that work?
3: Yes, yeah, so sometimes you'll you'll get it before you board, and sometimes in some cases, uh, they're you know they're waiting for passengers. They don't make the connection, or they just don't show up, and then they'll come back to you and say, um, uh, Mr. Burke, you've got an upgrade, and 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 then get my bag and I go up to first class and and um, or you know, business wow. class and. Yeah, it's, sorry it's
1: everybody. Happening. I've got to go to a better seat now. Can you excuse me? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, well funny story, a, a funny little anecdote. I was I was on vacation with a girlfriend at the time and we were in um uh somewhere in the Caribbean, I forget where. And we're on a we're on the plane in the exit row, which was a nice seat, and um we're waiting for this family to get into uh, to get the boards. They're holding the plane for this family. And they're all in first class. And we're joking that, you know, we tied them up. We found them at the hotel and we tied them up. You know, not too tight. Just not that they miss the flight. And uh, we're just joking with the other people. And we're sitting back there because we're waiting and we're just talking. And, and, uh, and then they come up and say, Mr. Burke, um, would you like the, you know, would you and your friend like the, your first class upgrade? Because the family didn't make it. And we're like, we're, we, you know, everyone, we were joking about tying them up. But we actually <laughs> didn't tie anyone up. They, I don't know why they were late. But, yeah, so, yeah. And then we got up and had the awkward walk up to first class. Remind me not to catch a flight with you ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you're above me on the
1: upgrade list, watch out. Ah, travel. And, And it's interesting that Tony brings up boarding first because it definitely, I don't know, there's a lot of controversy about waiting and getting on the. Oh, who cares? We're all going to the same place. No, you're wrong. Being first on the plane is actually huge, um, because of the overhead space that Tony was talking about. Because me personally, I pretty much never check a bag. It slows you down, it increases the risk that you're uh, assuming when you travel, because people might lose your stuff, and typically the things in there are like clothing and basic necessities. Uh, and it impacts your layover decision making, because if I'm going to check a bag, I don't really want to take two flights and layover somewhere, I'm probably going to want direct because uh, otherwise, sometimes I'll make it there, my stuff doesn't, or the other way around. So don't don't just take that as a nonchalant kind of hey, getting on there first and getting overhead space is not a big deal. Because it is.
0: What about you, Ethan? Well, I'll take an opposite view on on overhead space. And there's there's a scenario here that I gotta play out. Now, I don't fly international very often, and most of my travel is in the U.S. But because of what I'm doing, I usually have a lot of audio video gear with me that I'm hauling and I can't fit all of my stuff, therefore, in the overhead. I have to check luggage. So I usually check a hard shell case with electronics and then since I'm checking bags anyway, I am just check a second bag with my personal stuff. And if you're in that scenario and you have to do that, Southwest is nice when checking bags because you can check two bags up to 50 pounds each for free. But the downside is what you were talking about, Chris. You got extra time on the front and back of the flight because you got to take extra time to get those bags checked in, and then you got to wait for the bags to be returned on the uh, on the carousel, on the luggage return. And there is a risk of lost luggage. It, it doesn't happen a lot. I've flown a lot, checked bags a lot, and it's actually never happened to me. But it has happened to my wife. It has happened to some other people I know where the bags get sent to the wrong place or just don't show up. Ah, And plus, Southwest Airlines is kind of annoying in that they don't scan bags along the route like many other airlines do. So you don't know if your bags made it until they show up on the conveyor. Our next guest to talk with us about travel is Mr. Greg Shipley. Greg, I don't think you've been on Datanauts before. If you would, uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell folks who you are and what you do.
4: Sure, Greg Shipley. I work for one of the Incutell labs. Been traveling for a few decades. You know, career's taken me a few places, but you know, I've done the consulting thing, done the applied research thing, did a brief stint as a CTO. Uh, so it's kind of put me uh put me all over the place. I've done done a fair bit.
0: Yeah, okay. Now, when you travel, what is your what what is your big goal? What are you trying to achieve when you are starting to think about getting on a plane?
4: Sure. So, so I I think, you know, when I first started traveling, like in my twenties, you know, sure, you, you, you know, you need to go to the airport and you get on a plane and you want, you know, get off a plane hopefully and, and do what you're going to do. But as I started traveling more, I started just trying to focus on not stressing out. So, you know, travel for me can be stressful, particularly when I started doing like long international flights. So, so really I was sort of optimizing for efficiency and not being stressed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, feel exactly the same way i just want this to go smoothly i want to minimize the things that cause me stress what are the things that cause you stress
4: not surprisingly it's uh did i pack everything i need uh uh, when i'm when i'm traveling did i did i put pack everything out of my hotel room did i take everything with me that i that i arrived with you know and that includes not leaving the stupid chargers around or forgetting your toothbrush or forgetting your sport jacket that one really sucks Um, so yeah. Uh, and then, and then, you know, trying to avoid things, um, that really slow me down during the journey. Right. Uh, that, that, that are, you know, needlessly painful like rental cars.
0: Oh yeah. I I don't do rental cars most of the time. I mean, I on vacation with other people or something. Sure. You know, I get a rental car, but by and large it's, it's taxis or Lyft or something like that. Okay. So we got some goals here. We're going to reduce stress. You don't want to forget things. Uh, how do you handle then going to the airport? Cause for me going to the airport and the process of getting checked into the airport and getting to my gate so that I'm ready to board when they call is a-, a thing that's like chief in my mind. What's your, what's your timing? Do you have a strategy for that?
4: Yeah. So in, in general, you know, I don't like probably being in the airport any more than the next person. But the way I generally think about it is I really don't like missing flights. So uh, I, I try and be to the airport, you know, at least an hour, hour so, hour and a half early, so two hours if it's an international flight. And, you know, depending on what city I'm in. Uh, oftentimes, I'll plan to take an hour to get to the airport. Right, so if I'm in a major city and I'm, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes away from the airport, I'll, I'll, I'll pad, you know, I'll pad it a bit. Uh, where I try and optimize is getting out of the airport. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll suffer through, you know, sitting in the airport longer than I need to, so I don't miss any flights. But uh, then I really try and cruise uh and and make up for it by leaving the airport
0: as quickly as possible well i assume that means carry on only then that's what i try
4: and do you know for for a long time uh i I was really obsessed with like just making sure i packed everything and you know i you know you go to the bay area and it's like oh it could be could be hot it could be cold like (laughs) i'm gonna bring like you know 15 outfits and the next thing you know you know your 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 suitcase is overflowing, and that's before you even start with your tech gear. So you know, as I got older, it 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 became a you know of course I want to be prepared, but it became more about uh, being lightweight and kind of optimizing for minimal amount of space and footprint. Uh, so that that translates into into carry on whenever possible. Uh, and packing as light as possible. And then it also includes if I if I'm going to an urban area or a country that has Lyft or Uber or a good transit system, man, nothing slows you down like a rental car like
0: oh <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and again, yeah, I, I skip those two. It's just not not worth the headache if I don't have to. and you you get a certain amount of freedom, but I mean, at the if I'm there for work, I'm just going to be going back to my hotel room anyway and because I'm tired I'm going to sleep. It's not like I need a car so I can go see all the things. I mean, maybe. It depends on where I'm going, but not not usually. Well, Greg, I want to ask you about your your, your gear. I want to, you know, all the clever hacks that you've got, uh, bags, and uh, how you deal with, well, you talked about tech, how you handle some of that stuff. You, you travel internationally. How do you deal with your passport? You know, walk through some of those things for us.
4: Sure. Absolutely. So you started with bag. and. You know, when I first started traveling pretty heavily, it was all about like the bag that had like a thousand compartments, right? You know, the the cool zip thing to protect your your laptop, and then the other bag, you know, thing to hold your toiletries, and and what I what I wound up with, and and you know, I should preface this with uh, a lot of this is personal preference, right? So what works for me might not work for everyone, but what what I found was. I'm just not smart enough to keep track of all those zippers and all those pockets and where all that stuff goes. Right. So I'd constantly be like zipping and unzipping. And, <laughs> you know, so I went I eventually got to the point where I went a completely different direction, which was, you know, one of those North Face Base Camp duffel bags, which, you know, they they don't look very corporate, but. Holy crap! Those things are awesome. Like I have, I have lugged that thing so many countries. I've cl- crossed the Atlantic and the Pacific so many times. And and what that basically is for people that aren't familiar with them, they're they're really robust. They're pretty unassuming. And it has a it has a you know one zipper. It opens up, and then uh, you know there's a small little pouch for for putting things that you need to get to quickly. And then it's just it's just open. And so then what I did. Uh, was I started working with things like clothing cubes, um, and so I and toiletry bags. And so what I started doing was I started dividing my clothes and dividing things and just putting them in small little not containers but kind of you know zip cube bags and packing that in. And that uh, I did that with everything. I did it with my clothes, did it with uh, toiletry items, uh, yep. did it with my laptop. And that just made things so much easier and faster for 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 a whole bunch of reasons
0: yeah I, I have a pretty similar strategy um, I have a an Osprey bag that's basically a giant duffel bag it's got and it has a roller capability so it's got a handle that telescopes out and then it rolls on wheels and I use uh, clothing cubes inside there um, and it's just it's sane for me it works uh, really well it's
4: worked well for organizing but there's also kind of some side benefits which is you know kind of going back to the I don't want to leave crap in my hotel room what i started doing was you know the, all the the toiletry bag would go in the bathroom and everything you know would come out of that and the bag would stay in the bathroom and one of the things you know i'm sure some of your listeners have done this you leave the stupid charger plugged into the wall or you leave your power you know you just leave stuff and so you know, by taking all my tech gear and leaving that in the tiny bag that sits on the, on, on the desk, then when it's time to pack up my laptop, everything's right there. And then it goes into the tiny bag. When I go to the bathroom, I, everything in the bathroom goes into that bag. And then I just basically collapse bags into the big one. And this, you know, this may yep. sound kind of simple, but I got my hotel kind of uh, egress plan. I, I get out of my hotel room in usually about five minutes now.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no. It, it it sounds simple, but that's the beauty of it. You know, that's that's how it works. I have a very similar strategy. I have one bag dedicated to the toiletry items and the chargers and all of whatever's in the bathroom. When I'm ready to clear out of there, I walk in there with that bag. Whoop! Everything goes in there, and it's usually the last thing that I pack because I'll you know grab a shower or something and get cleaned up before I head to the airport. And, uh, and I know I've got a good high level of confidence that I've got everything. Now you mentioned a laptop, uh, bag or sleeve or, or something that you kept uh, way that you kept your laptop in that duffel. I want to hear more about that.
4: You know, so I'm, I'm going on, you know, mixed types of trips, but I often am going on business trips and, you know, I, I, uh, most of the time have the luxury of not needing to bring a bunch of suit. What I found was that, you know, just hauling a laptop around kind of just by itself, then you're also got to carry the cable. And that's kind of awkward, but I don't necessarily want to bring this North Face Basecamp duffel bag into like a business meeting. So I'm like, I need kind of something in between. And I found these laptop sleeves that are literally not much more than a sleeve. So it's kind of padding, but they, they come with straps. And so what I could do is then pack all that stuff up in my in my North Face duffel when I'm going but then when I just need my laptop and maybe a few extra things I I just put that in the laptop sleeve bust out the shoulder strap and you know I've got a really easy easy thing to carry my laptop around during the day. And so that's, so, so that's, it's
0: it's a man purse, Greg. That's what you've got.
4: Uh, I was really trying to avoid that. <laughs> Just <laughs> own a, it, baby. Own it.
0: Top <laughs> sleeve. Uh, yeah. uh, no, I, but I get it. That is, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's that. It's a sling bag, um, you know, that, but it's right. It, it carries over your shoulders, so it's dressier. Now that, and this is, I would actually consider one of these for myself, too, because I have a similar scenario where my solution for that is, mm-hmm. is a backpack, and I've got a backpack with a laptop sleeve and I put my other odds and ends, whatever I need in there, but it doesn't look real good with your uh, backpack over your business jacket heading for, you know, a meeting yeah. or something. It's a little hokey. So it's always yeah. bugged me and I haven't really looked for a solution that, but the laptop sleeve, you know, slung over the shoulder that, that might work. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I'll, I'll send you some links after we're done. You can check it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I don't want to forget about this one, but you, I don't fly internationally a lot, so I don't often have this problem, but whenever I do, I agonize about my passport, how to store it, how to travel with it. It's the kind of thing I don't want to lose. So what's your passport strategy?
4: Yeah, so my general passport strategy is to have it on me without necessarily looking like it's on me. And so you can do that with pockets or whatever. But I found that and, and if you look on the internet, you'll you'll see mixed reviews about this. But there's a there's a Kickstarter campaign where these guys came up with like the ultimate travel jacket that's got, you know, 15 features, and I think they're up to like 20 features now or something. That they're called baobacks. And um and well, I don't necessarily like all of the features. I find that the sweatshirt version and the vest version work really well, and what that allows me to do is to keep my passport on me at all times and not worry about overheating, not sweating, uh, and and just having you know that kind of on me without having one of those you know ridiculous things that is advertising that you're a tourist and you have a passport in your, in your pouch thing.
0: So, so the Bob jacket, I actually clicked, uh, click through to that while you were describing it. And it looks to me like a, a casual jacket, very common kind of design, but I assume it's got a bunch of zip pockets and places you can secure things.
4: Yep. It's got, it's got interior pockets. It's got exterior pockets. It's even got like a little pen thing. So, you know, if you got to fill out one of those customs forms, you always have a pen on you. It's, it's, it, it, it it's kind of cheesy, but at the same time, like I've now worn it for several years, I think. And, and it really comes in handy.
0: Hmm. Now you, again, going back to the international thing, I'm going to assume that means you're on the road for several days, maybe a week at a time or more. So how do you strategize just how much crap to bring with you? Especially if you're a person who doesn't want to wait around the airport, you like to put all your luggage overhead and bring it with you as you walk off the plane.
4: Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think, you know, most of my trips are like one to two weeks. It's rare. I have like, you know, international couple of days. So, so I still try and pack light and this, um, uh, this surprises some people because I, I can I can normally uh, be very comfortable living out of that that small duffel for a week or more. So I do a couple things like so one, you know, it, it, it's all about minimizing how much stuff you're hauling. Uh, but I pack with with layers in mind, right? And everyone's and anyone who's grown up in like the Midwest or colder climates, like you you know about layering for warmth and and that kind of stuff. But I kind of use it. Also to uh, minimize how many different wardrobes I need to change. Now to be clear, I'm not going to win any fashion awards, but, <laughs> but I try and at least look professional uh, whenever I need to. And so I've I've kind of picked up these tricks of like, hey, you know, if if you need to have a dress shirt, you know, five days if for you know five Monday through Friday. You can probably get away with wearing the same dress shirt on Monday that you did on Thursday, right? Uh, Or, you know, wear a light, you know, bring a light sweater with you. No one's going to notice that the dress shirt that you wore on Monday and is now covered by a light sweater on Wednesday uh, is the same dress shirt. So I really try and like minimize kind of how many things I have to bring. The other thing that uh, kind of dawned on me, and this is almost like cheating, but like if you're doing multiple trips or, or multiple visits to, you know, multiple customers or locations or whatever, if you're not traveling with the same people, they're not going to know that you recycled your wardrobe, right? They're right. not going to, like the people on Wednesday aren't going to know what you wore on Monday. Uh, so you can kind of cheat with the one exception uh, of don't cheat on the underwear. So I, so I definitely bring enough underwear, but uh, but the other things you can kind of recycle.
0: Yeah, you, you can, and a lot of places have on-site laundry if you need to. I did a 10-day trip recently and found, oh yeah, you got laundry right down here, and it happened to be free in this particular place. Most of the time you need quarters, but uh, it was just great. I went in, cleaned all the stuff, and, and ended up having uh, fresh stuff for the rest of that 10-day trip. Um, just a nice trick to have in the back of your, uh, back of your arsenal there. Well, Greg, I got one more, uh, question for you, which is kind of the, kind of the catch all, w- w- what are your other tricks or recommendations you have for people that are traveling?
4: Um, so, uh, a couple other things, right. Um, So you can do most things electronically. You can obviously get your boarding pass on your phone. Uh, You can get your hotel reservations pulled off your phone. Uh, But depending on how crappy the signal is or how poorly the developers developed the app and didn't cache things, there's always that, that scenario where like, oh yeah, I have my pass right here and you don't have any signal or you've got crappy signal or the app chooses to eat its own face off at the moment you need it. (laughs) Um, so a lot of times what I try and do is like, if I had the boarding pass, like I just, you know, do a screenshot and save it as a picture. And I do that with everything before I go that way. Uh, when it comes time to you know be in the line for getting on, and your phone's you know not the signal's not cooperating, you're not that guy that's holding up the line. So so that's kind of a, like a quick trick I learned, and that seems to work out pretty well. Uh, if you're super paranoid. Uh, or you're going to places where you might not have any signal, or you're somewhere super remote. Yeah, you, you, know, you probably can print things. I mean, you should print things out. Uh, you can fold that up and you know keep that small. It's not going to add too much weight.
0: Well, it, um, it's so obvious that you said screenshot your boarding passes. I usually stuff them. I'm an Apple user. I stuff them in the Apple Wallet just in case I need local. Yeah. But screenshotting it is like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? I guess I'm just parent Well, it's got to come from the app, an official thing. See boarding person, it's official. You know, see, yeah. somehow screenshotting. <laughs> <laughs> seems like it's cheating when it isn't it's it's just the thing you need that uh makes the scanner happy
4: yeah i'm thinking the flight the the flight check-in people aren't going to aren't going to bust us on that i think no, i think I'm, we'll be okay
0: pretty sure yeah. that's safe yeah okay so yeah i don't really print things out unless i have to but occasionally i feel better if i've got something printed i guess yeah
4: a couple other things like if you're international and you're you're u.s citizen the global entry thing can be a godsend like the other day i was flying into to Dulles, and i actually got through customs and out to the street curb uh from 15 minutes from when my foot left the plane which is like pretty much mind-blowing yeah Um, that's not going to happen very often but 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 it is possible um tsa pre-check isn't as good as it is it once was because a lot of people are doing it yeah but uh it's still useful because you know at least they're not ruffling through your bag as much and
0: yeah you don't um, have to take your shoes off and you yeah. know, drop your pants and you know all yeah. the things it seems like you have to do with your, when you don't have pre check so yeah I agree the lines are longer through pre check than they used to be but it's still faster on the whole and with less yeah. intrusion to your privacy
4: and then you know the last thing kind of in the whole reducing stress arena is a, is, a, is a wise woman once told me that you know in a pinch. You can get out of most situations if you have a passport and a credit card, right? And so, uh, you know, combined with keeping the passport and the credit card on your person, uh, I kind of keep that in the back of my head that if things get, you know, really bad, something happens, like I'm probably going to get out, be able to get out of the scenario in at least most of the Western world with those two items. And, you know, it's somewhat comforting.
0: Yeah, well, Greg, thanks for all of your travel tips, and uh, for people that might want to follow you on the internet or anything like that, is there a way that they can contact you or follow you or a blog or anything like that you'd like to talk about?
4: Uh, yeah, you know, I don't. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, um, but I uh, most of most of my publishing I do through my employer. So uh, blogs at uh dot org, um, and I think that's the, those are probably the, the two best ways.
0: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, Greg. Thanks for having me. My thanks to each of our guests for sharing their travel wisdom today. And that is it for today's edition of the Data Nuts podcast. You can tweet me at EC Banks and Chris at Chris Wall. By the way, that's W-A-H-L, not W-A-L-L. Chris Wall, there you go. For more of our data not shows about infrastructure engineering, visit packetpushers.net. We cover cloud design, container operations, automation techniques, interesting open source projects, PowerShell scripting, DevOpsy stuff, distributed computing, and so much more. And until then, may your server lights blink, the seat next to you be empty, and your cables be cleanly managed.